Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show with Janelle and Leslie. I'm Janelle Cameron. Hi there. I'm Leslie Pearson. And today we're going to talk about buying and selling and whether or not you're prepared by running you through a fun quiz. Welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show with the Janelle Cameron team, the podcast that helps make your real estate dreams a reality. The Janelle Cameron team is your expert source for all things real estate in the greater Toronto area. Whether you're considering a renovation to improve your return on investment, looking at homes for the very first time, or even considering becoming an agent yourself, we've got you covered. Hey everyone, welcome. I hope you had a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Yeah, we're going to do a fun quiz today. And for those of you who are thinking about buying or selling, we're going to see if you are prepared. So maybe you can follow along and see if you know the answers to these questions. Sounds good. We'll talk about it. Uh, Quick sort of take on the market right now. you know, I don't, you know, we've, if you've been following along, you kind of know things have been slower. I'm seeing a few signs of life, though. I would say there's been some interesting, I guess, sales, like things that I wouldn't have anticipated selling have sold. And, and uh, I was just telling Leslie that I was in a condo last week that had been on the market, I think, 45 days. We were in the condo, and as I was there, we got two offers. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're seeing that, but you're also seeing the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Where things I might not have thought would be sitting are sitting. That's right. It's like a little bit of both for Mm -hmm. sure. So it's definitely a time of transition, um, a time of unpredictability, I think, and uncertainty maybe. Yeah. Um, But like you, I'm uh, optimistic that once the dust settles from some recent announcements and such that... You know, people will adjust as they always have to a, a little bit of a changed uh, reality and move forward. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I Completely think we're going to have a, a, a fairly decent, fairly strong fall real estate market. Yeah, I think I I think we will too. I don't know why I feel that way, but I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Um, but you know, stay tuned, everyone. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, and just uh, just as an aside, we're going to do another episode next week, and then August we will take off as we normally do every year, and then start our brand new season in September. So make sure you tune in next week, and uh, you know, then again, of course, September new season. Yeah, yeah. we're going to take a break, like most people seem to be. Yes, planning to do exactly. For so okay, fun little quiz today. We're going to talk about whether or not you think you are. Ready to buy or sell. Whether you have a clear understanding of some of the logistics and uh, issues related to buying or selling. Yeah. I mean, this is, we kind of are a little flippant about buying and selling real estate, I think, in in Toronto, just because it's, I don't know, it's, people throw money at things that maybe they can't afford, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it is a huge commitment, financial commitment. I think a lot of people enter into it unprepared. Yeah, and I also think that probably real estate agents, because we're so deeply immersed and so familiar with every little aspect about it, I think a lot of real estate agents kind of forget to have those basic conversations yeah. with their clients, just really kind of, you know, largely even process things. Yeah. You know, you get to, um, you, you know, you show people houses 
four months and you think you've covered everything and then you get to a house they like and they have to have a deposit and they're like, what do you mean I need what do you a mean deposit? It, is 2000 okay? That's right. Yeah. But, uh, I think yeah. we talked about that, but, you know. <laughs> I do that every time. Yeah. yeah. So I think that we are also guilty maybe of not ensuring that our clients sometimes yeah. know everything. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Okay, question number one, and uh, follow along, everyone, see if you know the answer. So uh, the first question is, in real estate, what is a buyer or a seller representation agreement? And these are your three options. Number one, a verbal understanding that a real estate agent will work with me to purchase or sell a property. Number two, a signed contract between a buyer and seller. Or number three, a signed contract with a brokerage to buy or sell a property. So, yeah. Do you- yeah, I think many many people will have heard of this, that there is there are agreements to sign on both sides of a transaction. Um, and... Um, you know, the correct answer is that it is a legally binding contract to work with a brokerage to either buy or sell your property. Yeah. It, and it is a misnomer. People think we as agents are the ones on the contract, but we're right. not. It's our brokerage. Right. So, so your relationship is with the brokerage that right. we work for. And in fact, then, it's with every agent that works for that bro- That's right. brokerage. That's yeah. right. Every agent working, in our case for Remax Hallmark, works for you. That's right. And yeah. uh, is bound by that contract. Exactly. Yeah. So if something were to happen to to you know your listing agent mm-hmm. that you had the property for sale with, or you didn't particularly like that listing agent and wanted to switch... You know, you're still bound by the, the mm-hmm. contract with the brokerage. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, I do think, Janelle... You know, correct me here. Um, is there something that if you have, as a real estate agent, provided some services that would qualify as services in an agency relationship, There's a, that there's an implied representation? So without having... but. So there's an implied representation, but unless you have that contract signed, it isn't a legally binding one. Is that right? Yes, that right. is that is correct. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And what I will say then is a lot of people um, kind of are, are put off by or maybe get frightened of that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're being asked to sign a legally binding contract to have someone work for them. And, um, you know, what if things don't go well or what if they want out of it? And so I have a couple of thoughts about that. I don't know how you feel about it, but... I kind of have of the view that both parts, both sides of the relationship, both the buyer or the seller and me, um, you know, if we're just meeting, we don't know that we want to work together. Uh-huh. You're sussing me out and I'm doing the same of you yeah. um, to determine whether we are a good fit and want to want to commit to each other. Um, so I often don't ask people to sign something like this, like right at the outset, mm-hmm. because I think that's a bit presumptuous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if I'm going to start spending, uh, you know, some time with you, and if we have, you know, de facto decided we like working together and there's um, advantages on both sides, then I'll want you to commit to me. Mm-hmm. And there are advantages to both of us for that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think we're even going to talk a little bit about, oh, okay. about that. Okay. Yeah, I think right. that's in one of the questions here. Okay. I also think that, you know, if ever, and this doesn't happen, but if ever anything went wrong and you wanted out of a legally binding contract with me, I would let you out of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I do, I'm not going to hold someone right. working with me who doesn't want right. to work with me. So there's really nothing to be fair, afraid yeah. of of these, I believe. Agreed. And only to your advantage. Yeah. 
Okay, this is a good one. True or false, if you place a conditional offer on a property, so condition on financing or home inspection or whatever, and the transaction does not proceed, you want to back out of it, you automatically get your deposit back, true or false. And the answer is false. It's just false. It's just false. Um, And there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, number one, you know, you have to meet the criteria of the condition falling through. So, for example, and also depends maybe on how the condition is worded, but let's say, for example, you just change your mind. You have a condition on financing and you have just changed your mind and... You have financing in place and the lender has given you the approval to go ahead, but you have decided you do not want to go ahead. You are legally obligated to fulfill that contract because you have not met the condition requirements for backing out. So in that case, it would need to be that you were not given a mortgage and you cannot do it and you absolutely, you know, can't just decide that you've changed your mind. There are different ways that we can word those conditions to make sure that you have an opportunity to back out a little easier. Um, And not that I suggest, by the way, anybody backs out of a contract. If you are going into a contract and your intention is to maybe back out if something else better comes along or you might change your mind, please don't do that. It's just not it's not good business. But legitimately, if something happens and, you know, you need to exit the contract before that condition is fulfilled. We do try to word it in a way that that allows you to do so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the answer is false. So don't assume that you're just going to get your deposit back just because you've decided you don't want that house after all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it would be up to really your agent and the listing agent, for example, to discuss that and whether or not, you know, that's going to be something that is allowed, mm-hmm. right? I mean, have you ever had where it wasn't? Well, no, no, mm-hmm. I have not. But mm-hmm. um, I had one instance uh, where it should have been. And although the it was not a conditional offer, it was a firm offer. And the woman, before bringing the deposit check, oh, decided yeah. that she changed her mind. Yeah. Um, and that's a case where, you know, she's committed. But yeah. Uh, yeah, in terms of a conditional offer, most conditional offers have some wording around it being at the buyer's soul mm-hmm. and absolute discretion. Exactly. So, for example, if it's a home inspection condition, you don't have to tell the other side what you heard in your home inspection that you didn't like. Right. So. Right. But, you know, it is a, a con- a, an agreement of purchase and sale, conditional or not, or not is a legally binding contract and you you don't want to be going into some no uh, you know and back out of it yeah and it isn't i think some people do yeah mm-hmm. okay question number three true or false again after signing a representation agreement you the buyer or the seller can cancel it without a penalty okay so we kind of re- talked about that before yeah um so the answer there is read it again. I can you oh I'm sorry, I've moved on to the next question. Can yeah. you read it again? <laughs> oh, yeah. Can go back that question is after so, signing a representation agreement, the buyer or seller can cancel it without penalty. So that's false. That is actually true. No, it's false. You're right. Sorry, false. Yeah, I'm reading it the wrong way myself. 
So, so I, you, yeah. I want to read their uh, their answers for this because that's not what I would have thought. Yeah, that is that is actually a very <laughs> look at us. We're like, do we know the rules or not? All the rules? It's the without penalty that stumps. It's me. the without penalty. Yeah, you can cancel a buyer and representation agreement. Right. Right. Um. Um, yeah, so how they say, unless it includes a specific provision that permits it, a representation agreement cannot be cancelled without penalty before you sign, discuss all terms and conditions with your realtor and lawyer to make sure you understand. So I have to say, I have never, I've never had that experience. I think no. people, if they want to cancel, it's usually because they, they you know, have changed their mind. They don't want to buy right. anymore. They don't want to sell anymore. Right. Um, right. But interesting. But, and in that case, you don't write up anything agreeing to let them out of it. You just kind of let it die. Right? I just have kind of yeah, let it die. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question, though. I see without penalty. I don't know what the penalty would be, but I guess mm-hmm. they would, I guess that part of that would be holding them responsible. So, for example, if they back out of a, a buyer representation agreement and buy with someone else, then they're obligated to pay right. the initial right. realtor the commission if it's right. within the terms of the agreement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Uh, okay. Interesting. This one might stump people too. True or false again, I can use the services of more than one brokerage when I'm looking for a property. And the answer is true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you sign a representation agreement, um, number one, if you sign like an actual uh, client reputation, uh, representation agreement, you might be responsible for paying commission to both people. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you've signed, you can do it, but you'd have to sign, you'd have to pay. Yeah. And you must, you must convey to your... Um, your agent that you, if you ha- already have an agreement in place with someone else. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Now, just to get complicated, when you're making a buyer representation agreement, you're signing a buyer representation agreement with your agent, you can sign just for one property. You can sign for them to represent you for three months. They, they, you can sign just for one city and sign in a representation agreement, representation agreement for another city with somebody else. Right. So there are different terms that can be used there, but you have to make sure you discuss it with your realtor and make sure you really understand. I've never had anybody looking for the same thing, the same area, the same everything with more than one brokerage. I... I've had, no, me either, but I have had people who will only agree to put an offer with in with me for that property only. I have to. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I, uh, I agree with that. If I've just met somebody, sure. meet me Go at this house it. and show it to me. I'm okay. You don't know me. You don't know how much you want to work with me. I, I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Okay. So um, the next question also true or false of which i just lost my questions here this is the weirdest sorry we're looking at the weirdest website i went i've lost it as well but i think it was asking um if you if uh some if an agent can work with both buyer and seller and yes that's what it was mm-hmm. uh, a real estate agent true or false can legally represent both the buyer and seller in the same real estate transaction right so right. sometimes people call that uh multiple representations sometimes they call it double ending um and the answer is yes yes absolutely that's true you can um but 
everybody must understand how that affects everybody. So uh, if you are working under multiple representation, you know, you have to understand the rules that that applies to from perspective of being a buyer or a seller because it's different. Um, and at the end of the day, we have fiduciary uh, duties to our clients, which means that, you know, we must protect their their privacy and their reputation and not disclose information that may be, you know, that may affect the sale on either end. And so we have to follow those rules. And so sometimes working with within if you're representing both buyer and seller, it can get very complicated and messy because I know what the seller is going to expect and I know what the buyer will pay and I have to really treat both of those independently from each other and it's hard. Yeah, it's hard but it's doable. But it's doable. Um, and the key part there is ensuring that all parties are fully informed about that situation and consent to it. That's right. If you don't consent to it, you know, you're under no obligation to do it. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know... These things there always, are circumstances in yes, which I would not do it. it well, they, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, generally, like the rule of thumb in our brokerage, for example, is that um, if you have... Um, if you have multiple offers happening, right? So you've got more than one offer coming in on a property, you're representing the seller. You know, we will also not represent the buyer in that case. And I think that that is how it should be done. Yeah, levels yeah. the playing field yeah. a bit. Yeah. Interestingly, in BC, they implemented a rule some years ago now that nobody can ever represent both buyer and seller. Yeah, I can kind of see the merits yeah, of that. Yeah, I, I can mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. It is very, you know, very difficult to be ethical and represent both buyer and seller. I I almost never do it. I mm -hmm. mean, I can't even remember the last time I did it. It's not I don't difficult feel to be ethical, but it's difficult to straddle that line. It is because you can sometimes I think innocently fall innocently, over the yeah, line. Yeah. Yeah, and it just seems I don't know. It's 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 it is it's challenging. It's sort mm -hmm. of puts you in a position you don't necessarily mm -hmm. want to be in and yeah, I don't yeah. ever want to you know you almost feel like you're pushing risks, yeah. yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Cuz you end up like essentially not really being able to convey much at all. That's right. So you're not I always would feel that I'm not really doing a good service to either side, yeah. rather than the best service to both sides. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, this one, next question is really important. Let's see if you know the answer to this one. I know you do, Leslie. When buyers have made competing offers on the same property, the seller's agent must tell all the buyers who've made offers which of the following, okay? So multiple offers, what is the seller's agent's representation? Uh, uh, Obligation. Ob obligation. Sorry, I can't think of the word. They do they tell people the dollar amount of the competing offers? Do they tell them the number of competing offers? Do they say the terms and conditions of the competing competing offers, or all of the above? So, as it currently stands, yes, it's strictly the number of competing offers. That's right. So when you have a listing, you're helping buyers, I mean sellers, uh, sell their home, you get notified every time, um, you know, a buyer's agent ha indicates an interest in submitting an offer, uh, saying they have a registered offer, which means a signed offer, and that's all the information you convey. Now, this rule has just changed. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even sure. The rule's been changed, but it hasn't been implemented. But yet. it hasn't been implemented. Mm -hmm. So what will happen now? I don't know. When is that supposed to be implemented? I'm not sure. But the seller will have 
the opportunity to decide whether or not they would like to disclose the amount of the offer to the other competing parties. Right. So it's interesting because I don't know how many sellers will choose to do that and whether or not it's in their best interest. Right. But it will be the seller's discretion whether that happens. So we'll have the option and it's the seller's choice. Yeah, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on I mean, I can't. Why would that benefit anybody, really? To know the dollar amount? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, what is would, interesting? It would benefit the buyer that now worries that they're gross, offering grossly more than the next offer. True, but what happens, and that's very true, but what happens if, let's say, two, three offers come in and now the the dollar amounts are disclosed and the... Let's just say the house was listed for eight hundred thousand. One person offers eight fifty. One person offers nine, and one person offers a million. Yeah. Does the million dollar person then get to withdraw the offer and resubmit? Yeah. Like it's going to be very interesting. And also, I don't know how you handle the fact that there is more to um, the most attractive offer than just that dollar amount. Mm-hmm. There's what was the deposit? What form was the deposit? What's the closing date? Were right. there any conditions? Right. Were there any wonky clauses? Um, in my mind, a successful offer is more than just that dollar amount. Yeah. And you may not be comparing apples and apples with that 859 and a million dollar offer. That's right. The million dollar offer might be the highest dollar amount, but the closing date is sucks. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. But like if you're a seller and you've got three offers and one of them is totally blowing the other ones out of the water, you wouldn't say, oh, yeah, tell everybody what the offers are because then you wouldn't want that person to back out Mm -hmm. because they've realized they've paid. And the the risk is that the other two aren't going to come up. Right. So I can't see. I don't know. I think you either... You either make it fully transparent and everybody knows everything and it's not up to anybody's decision to mm-hmm. decide. You just do it mm-hmm. or you don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. But I can't see mm-hmm. – this is a sitting on the fence way to mm-hmm. try to push this opportunity through. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I agree. So as it is right now, the only thing we're supposed to convey is the number of competing offers. I do find that some agents don't do some things a little bit differently. True. Yeah, and then I do find sometimes there's some information that f- falls through the crack there. Yes. Um, but that's generally the rule right now. Yeah. Interesting, right? Um, okay, next question. Um, what type of fees are Ontario brokerages permitted to charge buyers and sellers? A fixed amount, a percentage of the sale price, a combination of A and B, or all of the above? Um, Janelle, you're going to have to either repeat that or answer that because I will say I wasn't paying attention. Okay. <laughs> what <laughs> types of fees? Okay, so you're being charged fees as a seller. And how can I charge you the fee? Can I charge a fixed amount? Can I charge a percentage of the sale price? Can I charge a combination of fixed and sale? Or all of the above. What are my options as a as a selling listing agent? Um, and the answer is all of the above. Mm-hmm. So basically, you need to make sure that you 
again, come to terms. It's just like everything else. You need to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Uh, but yes, we can charge a fixed fee. We can charge a combination. We can charge a percentage. In most cases, for most brokerages, it is a percentage. You do have some of these flat fee companies out there, but it, they don't seem to thrive particularly well here. But uh, sometimes people add in fees for staging or painting or moving or something like that as a fixed cost. And then on top of that, we'll charge a percentage. So every contract is different. You know, there's lots of different ways to, you know, arrange that contract with your realtor. So I think it's fair to have those discussions, right? Um, it's good to be open and honest about that from a seller's perspective and just make sure you understand what you're being charged for and what is important to you. Like some people just want the bare basic, you know, mm-hmm. a discount fee, well, and discount no fee and no service and, mm-hmm. you know, good luck to you, but fair enough. And then there are those people who want the full deal. And so there's a brokerage and an agent and a plan for everybody. Mm-hmm. You just really have to figure out what works best for you. Yeah, and I would um, say that in this uh, kind of transition market that we're in, that this conversation is even more important than ever before. Yeah. Um, because we're seeing, you know, some, you know, unpredictability in terms of days on market and how things are going. So, you know, what might have been the common practice or over the last several years might be changing now. So yeah. make sure you don't make any, I guess what I'm saying is don't make any assumptions that the way things were are the way things are and will always be. And and be, you know, open and honest and expect the same of your agent and have these conversations. So you, so there's, so nothing falls through the cracks. Yeah, exactly. And so everybody knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is, this is maybe obvious, but I think this is an important question. Okay. Next question. When a buyer enters a representation agreement with the brokerage, the agent is required to number one, inform the buyer of all eligible properties that meet their needs, regardless of the commission being offered. Number two, inform the buyer of only properties that meet the commission amount shown in the representation agreement. Or number three, inform the buyer of only properties in which the buying agent receives the most commission. Well, the answers are worded pretty pretty funny, but it's clearly that... um, an agent's um, obligated to inform the buyer of all eligible properties regardless of their commission. That's right. And it's even more about commission. Like it's, it comes down to, you know, if the person says they are interested in buying a property, you know, I don't know, in Durham region and the only one that meets their needs is really far away and you don't want to drive all the way there, too bad, you have to do it. You must present properties that meet their criteria regardless of all of your personal feelings about it commission (laughs) or not (laughs) yeah so yeah yeah yes that is that's the way it is but we've all come across you know your your client will say to you oh here look i i'm interested in this one it's like a private sale you go oh god okay (laughs) so then you know not in most private sale they pay the 
appropriate mm-hmm. commission, but just dealing with some of these private sales yeah, are really yeah, it changes the impossible, experience. And right? You, you almost you you know going into it what you're going to get. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, because those people mm-hmm. you can guarantee that place is priced thirty percent higher than it should yeah. be. <laughs> yeah, there are ways things are are written in terms of you know costs and. Uh, commission that we know exactly what to expect we know what service that poor seller is getting you know the ones that kill me and you know this is really not even uh, of any relevance to buyers but you know when sellers say x commission minus 250 dollars marketing fee (laughs) i know i mean come on so we know going into that it's it's going to be a lame experience exactly oh yeah there's a few of those our, our job is to find you property regardless of our the commission being offered to us yes or how inconvenient the Mm -hmm. particular place may be for us to show it to you um and that's i think a good point we take that on and now one of the things i think that's really interesting is that over the last couple of years we have a lot of maybe toronto people buying property in cottage country right and a lot of toronto agents are showing the property or want to do the deal for their buyers in these in these locations that are really far away so one of the things that had been happening is that the toronto agent would send their clients to the listing agent up in wherever it is muskoka and so the listing agent would be running around for toronto clients showing property and then the toronto client would get all the money um, so now a lot of the properties that are far away, they're putting actually in their uh, agreements with any agents if that they're happy to show the property, but they'll do it for a reduction in commission. And I think that's totally fair. I agree. Like, we can't be asking those people to show right. our clients on our behalf because we don't want to go over there. Right. So either you're taking on clients that you're going to show far away places to, or you're referring it to somebody who's local to that area and you have to make that decision and stick to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then part of it for me, part of it for me is not the distance to have to go, but you know, I think about if I have a client looking to buy a cottage in Halliburton, you know, am I the best person to know all the issues that might be relevant or come up? in that cottage Mm -hmm. uh, purchase in rural Halliburton, you know, I could quite honestly say probably not. Mm -hmm. So I would err on the side of serving my client the best is to refer to someone there. So, um, you know, I think these agents sometimes that take on these um, assignments that are out of their scope of knowledge and practice, that's, that's, I think, what the problem is. Could be, yeah. I mean, I think you... I mean, you have a... And everybody, everybody's individual scope of expertise is different. Mm-hmm. You would be comfortable buying something in Wabashine, whereas I might not. Right. And so it, right. you have to be the, the ethical person in the party and, and make that decision. And make that decision, So for yeah. me, it's more about... It's not just the distance. Right, Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know, the water source. I don't, yeah, it's all your kinds comfort of I level. Don't you're just, yeah. Your mm-hmm. comfort level, you know, mm-hmm. is just not mm-hmm. not there. Um, and you have to know that, right? You have to be honest with your clients about whether or not you mm-hmm. can handle it. Yeah, mm-hmm. now, people worry about that. And there is, in the buyer representation agreement, uh, it specifies the agreed commission percentage um, relationship between the right. and and, you know, I do get asked, you know, what if I want to buy a place that doesn't give you as much 
as our agreement is for. Right. That comes up occasionally, and I think it seems to come up only really outside the GTA. Right. Where sometimes there's a different norm or different practice than what's being offered. So what do you do then if the buyer representation agreement says the agent gets X, but in fact it's short? Are you ever going to ask those buyers to make up the difference? That's a good question. It's never it come, happened, yeah. so I don't know. I don't know, but yeah. Um, have you ever? So, have you ever completed a transaction on behalf of buyers that was for a different amount of commission than the buyer representation agreement stipulated? Yes. And you just like I've go. just never. Right. Yeah. Right. I've just never. So that's heard. something buyers should yeah. be aware of as well. Yeah, that's we're a good not, point. We're not. Yeah. I mean, we're here to make a living. This is how we put food on the table for our kids, but we're not greedy. No, but I think that is, you know, what a good point. And I think that, you know, we could talk about this ad nauseum, but there are people who think that we do this for fun. Yeah. And that we don't really need to get paid and mm-hmm. that, you know, we don't deserve the money or something like that. And so. And we may be too casual about it. Maybe in those cases, we should be going after that missing 0.25 or 5 or 7%. Yeah, maybe. Percent. Maybe. But we're not those kind of agents. No, no, we're not. But there are. A, those agents out there and if i was showing someone around for Mm -hmm. you know and i have for years i mean i've got people right now i think i'm on year three right and i don't see much but still you know they're it's lengthy yeah it's a funny business that way because you know that you can um invest a lot of time and money uh into clients um you know, people always think, always think you, you know, you guys make so much money doing this. It's so easy. There's hardly anything to do. Yeah. Well, you can you can look with those people for a couple of years, and then they change their mind and don't look anymore. Right, and it's <laughs> very, you know, I'm dry, I've, I've spent there's, like there's more of that hundreds of hours than the oh yeah seeing the first house they like. I want to buy Way it and more. getting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Not that I'm moaning about it, but um, no, just the reality. Though mm-hmm. I think it is important we get to point paid out. when you successfully close on a deal that's that we right. helped you do. Yeah, that that's it. Exactly, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. All the driving around and all of the showing of houses and all the research we've done, we and don't even get all for. of the negotiating the deal and the deal being done. Sometimes it's not enough. That's right. <laughs> Rarely, but oh yeah, mm-hmm. there are times. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, good. Last question: um, A selling agent cannot charge additional fees for third-party services like staging or painting to help market and sell the property unless, number one, the agent documents it in writing with the seller in the details of the service. Number two, the documentation specifies who is responsible for payment. Number three, the seller agrees to use the third-party service. Or number four, all of the above. I think this is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. It's all of the above. Mm -hmm. Now, again, a lot of agents, we are included, um, we include whatever additional services that we're doing into the regular commission fee that we're, we've decided to charge. So, you know, whatever fee that is, we are charging, generally we absorb the cost into the fee, not always, but more so than not, I would say. So we don't have a separate uh, you know, document that outlines the different different fees. But a lot of agents will charge, okay, well, it's 5% for fees and I'm going to call, you know, I'm going to charge you an additional $2,000 to do staging and painting. But, um, you know, whatever terms of that arrangement may be, they would have two separate documents. So it can go both ways. Again, it's anything is fine. You just have to make sure you're agreeing to the terms and everybody's on the same page and that, 
you know, there's some sort of contract involving those additional fee services. And this is why I think people uh, sometimes uh, don't realize is, is this is why concentrating on commission is, in my view, not the way to go. You want to make sure you're comparing apples and apples so you know with each agent that you interview to serve as your representative, you know what services you're getting for that commission because often, you know, you're, I think often sellers are just taken with that number. Yeah. And the lowest number is the best, and what they don't realize is, you know, generally you get what you pay for, and That's so right. you're not getting much, yeah. and you're going to be hit with some, you know, additional costs or services that just aren't provided. Um, where So all commissions are not alike. As yeah. Janelle says, our commission often includes includes many additional services and you're not paying extra for that and you're and you're getting great service by trusted and experienced and successful you know resources that we have on our team um i often hear well you know this agent will do it for this commission well what's he doing for that commission right when you dig deeper into that conversation you find out the big difference between us and other people and a lot of sellers haven't taken the conversation that yeah. far. They just look at the numbers. So all I would urge people in this regard is to make sure you know what you're getting. For yeah, and I totally, listen, it mm-hmm. comes down to everything in life, right? Do you mm-hmm. want service A or service B? That's your decision. Mm-hmm. You just have to understand that, um, you know, you've got to determine what kind of process you want. Mm-hmm. And then if you want extra, you got to pay for it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying don't do that if you mm-hmm. want if you want the cheap and cheerful go cheap and cheerful yes like that's great Good, yeah. you know that's that's you yeah. you're on a budget or you you don't feel like you want to pay for additional services that's totally up yeah. to you and i say this to agents too you know like newer agents when i was coaching agents i would say to them like you have to figure out who you are where is your place in the market you know mm-hmm. there is a market for agents that will list for little commission do little work and there's a market for that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's great. That's a good business model. It's not mm-hmm. mine, but mm-hmm. it's a great business model. It's yeah. just, you know, that's not, and we don't attract those type of sellers. Yeah. And we're not those types of agents. But if you are that type of seller and you want that type of agent, they're they're out there. And yeah. they're, you know, you'll match with someone who suits what you need. Yeah. And as I think I said earlier also, I think in this time of transition, just be careful because I think that a lot of agents are going to be changing how they handle the coverage of some of those services Uh because of, you know, we're, you know, in the past, uh, it was not uncommon uh, for places to sell fairly quickly. And so the commitment to things like staging, for example, was a pretty, um, pretty known entity. Whereas now when some things seem to be sitting, you know, not every agent is going to agree for those ongoing more than monthly costs. Exactly. And without having that conversation, you may not realize That's that right. things have changed with the agents you've been talking to. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, all fair questions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I think that about wraps it up. Hopefully what did that you was... score on this quiz? I, <laughs> I apparently scored seven. Oh, well, I didn't. I We missed you that one entirely. Yeah, we did so. miss one of but it was about associations, so I don't think people care about no. it. No. So yeah. seven out of nine is what yeah. you got. Yeah. And then the one that we neither of us got the well, right I think that well, was we the wording confu- of the question. Yeah, yeah, we're blaming the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we've, uh, we've looked at, obviously, we've this um, 
survey online, and it concludes with a pretty decent um, checklist, for uh, two checklists, one for sellers and one for buyers. So if anybody wants that, Janelle and I have our own, or we have access to this, so uh, reach out and we can get you those for more information about getting ready to buy or sell. Yeah, and I think, you know, great point. And in today's market, you just want to remember that you've got to be really well-informed. Yeah. There's lots of changes out there and um, lots of weird, you know, market situations. So just be informed Talk to your your own agent. Talk to us. Make sure that you feel comfortable uh, with whatever you're deciding to proceed with, whether it's a, a purchase or a sale. And um, understanding where we're at today is different than where we were at, you know, six months ago. All right. Thanks, everyone. We appreciate your time. Hopefully that's been helpful for you. And you know how to reach us. Just reach out anytime. And in the meantime, uh, follow us on all of our social channels, which is at the Janelle Cameron team. Hope you have a good day and happy real estate. Happy real estate, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed the Toronto Real Estate Show with the Janelle Cameron team. But more importantly, we hope you feel better informed and enthusiastic about your real estate future. We know buying and selling can be stressful, so let us help. If you're looking for hands-on support in the greater Toronto area, the Janelle Cameron team from Remax Hallmark Realty is ready to assist. Visit JanelleCameron.com. That's J-E-N-E-L-L-E-Cameron.com. Or dial 416-486-5588. Join us again next week as we deliver more content to help you reach your real estate dreams.